0: How many here use essential oils? Yeah? I did a little looking into that. Essential oils are a billion dollar industry today. You know, we should have all got in on the ground floor. But uh, it's amazing to me how many different essential oils there are out there. I mean, every single herb and spice and this and that. Now the latest is CBD oil, you know, and uh, it'll cure everything. Right? I know our, our sister Hazel makes different uh, oils and lotions and potions, and she's got this one, I don't know, I can't remember what you called it, but because at the time I was fishing so much, my hands were always in the fishing eggs, you know, you're using that cure and it's drying them out and cracking them and uh, cracking your skin and doing all this stuff. And she had this um, lotion she'd put together and said, Try this. I think it was made out of uh, just stuff she'd picked out of her yard. I don't remember. But I remember it worked. I mean, I, I I was using every kind of anointed oil out there. Gold bond, uh, fisherman's friend, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, and uh, she brought me this lotion, gave it to me that she makes. and And I went, wow, that stuff really works. So there's essential oil. And I believe they serve their purposes, and I believe that they're useful, and I believe that uh, uh, they can do all kinds of different things because God gave them to us. But there's also other essential oils, essential oils that we need to think about that have a spiritual effect, not just a body effect. And the spiritual effect, we're going to look at some of that. Obviously, as you can see in Matthew 25.3, if you want to turn there, it's a story about ten virgins. It said there were five wives. And five foolish virgins. And they were waiting for the bridegroom to show up. And uh, so they all headed out to wait the night through, uh, waiting for the bridegroom. And it said the five wise virgins took with them extra oil. The five foolish did not have extra oil, and they were running low. And they said, Give us some oil. We'll buy it from you even. Um, but we need oil to sustain us through. And uh, the people with the oil, the five wise uh, virgins in the story, that G- the parable that Jesus is giving us there, said, no, go buy some for yourselves or we won't have enough either. While they were gone, it says the bridegroom showed up. And so the five uh, wise virgins went in to be with the bridegroom and the five foolish were left out and they couldn't get in. Um, There's a lot to that story. I'm not going to explore it that much. I just mostly want to talk about how important it is that we have a, a spiritual side to the essential oil in our life and we recognize what that is. How important it is to have the oil or anointing of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> In Exodus chapter 25 verse 6. Uh, there's They're told. To have oil for light. And spices for anointing oil. So as they're preparing for the, the, the temple. Um, some of the requirements is. Oil for light, and and in it it says pure oil, uh, pressed oil, um, pressed olive oil. You go to the store, my wife, you know, being Italian, we go to the store. I go, oh, here's some olive oil. She goes, no, puts it back. She looks through and says, here's the olive oil. She knows which one is the right one for what she likes to do with it. And I'm like, what's the difference? She goes, taste. Cooking, smoking, not smoking the oil, the, the smoke that would rise up off of it. So the idea there is the more impurity, the more the light would smoke. So they're saying pure oil so that you wouldn't be putting off with impurities, a, a filling the, the tabernacle, filling the temple with smoke and, um, and pollution. Thank you, Bob. In Exodus... Chapter 27, verse 20, it says, Bring pure oil, again, for the light. To cause the lamp to burn always. In other words, not allow it to go out. That light had to go 24-7. They wanted that lamp burning. Representation of God. There's many different aspects to anointing oil in the in the scripture Saul was anointed with oil as king over Israel and then later unanointed Not with oil, but unanointed, the Holy Spirit came in the anointing to Saul. Said so the Spirit of God came upon him, but later the Spirit of God departed from him, and an evil spirit troubled him. Can that happen in the Bride of Christ? You know, how can you have you ever met Christians and and you're like, wow, aren't they wonderful? And then the next day they're like totally unwonderful. And you're like, how can that be the same person if they're in the Bride of Christ? Well, we've all heard the term Bridezilla, right? (laughs) I think people can be in the Bride of Christ and still be uh, just over the top sometimes. I've heard many teachings over the years, and my background teaching is that, no, you would no longer be in the Bride of Christ. But I believe the Lord has shown me, no, you're just a Bridezilla, So let's turn to book of Samuel chapter 16. Well, how about 1 Samuel This is a story of Samuel anointing David. It, if you'll recall the story, you know Samuel, still being a prophet of God, still has limitations. Just because you have uh, a gift like that on you, does not mean that you're no longer human. You no longer have limitations. And uh, so he's he's going through Jesse's sons, and he goes, "Oh, this has surely got to be the one because of how he looks." His appearance, oh, well, maybe it's this one, maybe it's that one. It comes all the way down to David before he realizes, no, this is the one that God wants to anoint. But in 16, verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil, olive oil, he had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on we're going to look at a couple of kinds of anointing. The anointing that can come on you and the anointing that can dwell in you. And both of them are available. And both of them are valid. And both of them are vital and important. But we see here that Samuel took the horn of oil and poured it on David and anointed him. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And within a very short time, we see over in First Chronicles 14, that the Philistines heard that David had been anointed. They went up in full force to search for him. When you receive an anointing from God, you can count on... There is an enemy that wants to rise up immediately and come against that. That is a threat to him. The anointing of God is a threat to the enemy's plans. Fathers with young children, God has put an anointing upon you. Now tell me as a father, does, that, does the enemy ever come against that? You find yourself just totally powerless, frustrated, tired. Any of those things? No? Okay. I guess it was just me. But my kids turned out okay anyway. Due to their Italian mama. But any anointing you receive will come under immediate attack. Now also as parents, I want you to understand this about your children. Your children will receive anointings too. And you as parents are the ones to be really protect that. Because children don't understand the warfare. Now we're going to get into this in the book of Acts. We're going to see where when Jesus talks about the spirit of the lord coming upon them you will receive power well what what is that for for warfare that's an anointing for warfare and we'll talk about that a little bit but our children receive anointings too and the enemy really knows how to exploit that devastate that discourage that <clears throat> I was talking with someone recently and they were talking about the age of of development in children, the left brain, right brain. And the right brain, the right side of the brain as it's developing really can perceive the things of God. The left side of the brain gets very much drawn into uh, the practical side of of life and the, the, the cares of life and so on and so forth. And people who exploit children understand this. And they immediately go after the right side of the brain and try to program it separately before the child can develop fully their, their understanding, their perception of God. Um, and people that get into um, uh, ritualistic abuse, those kind of cults and stuff... They know that, and they begin to program that child before they the, before that right side of the brain really grabs a hold of the things of God. And as a parent, you're responsible for your children's development spiritually. And um, that never quits, by the way, even when they grow up. I've got a son that will be 44 this year. And I'm still concerned about him at times, you know, and his decisions in life. I mean, he's far surpassed me as far as in a lot of ways of wisdom and, and so on and so forth. But you can't help but, you know, be interceding for them, praying for them, and wanting the best for them. And uh, praying for hedge of protection around your children. So in first uh Chronicles... We see the Philistines heard that David had been anointed. They went up, it said, in full force. They didn't just go, ah, we hear this new guy's king. Well, they knew of his, they knew of some of him. He'd killed their main dude. So so they'd heard of his exploits and, and, and that was a little troubling. But it was so troubling, and that most of the trouble, I believe, was the anointing came upon him, and that anointing, when it comes upon you, is for warfare. It's a warfare anointing. I've been to many conferences over the years and, and gone to many um, revivals and where, you know, big-name speaker was there, and he preach a powerful message and who wants a double anointing who wants the anointing of God to fall upon everybody we all run up we all want the anointing we all want this and uh, I get a picture now as I studied this through I got a picture of these Christians with all this battlement on them but they never go into battle never go into battle they just oh yeah I want some more you know It's like those South American generals, you know, they got so many things across and ribbons and things across their chest. They have to get those real broad shouldered suits to carry them all. They've never actually seen battle. They just keep talking about and add more ribbons. One of the things that can destroy the anointing is the word you speak. I heard this story this week. There were these two farmers. One farmer was always very positive. The other farmer was very negative. They were friends. Um, the one farmer was like, oh man, this is a perfect day to plant. The other farmer was like, oh, it's too hot to plant. The other farmer was like, oh, you know, this will give the 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 seeds time to set in the ground before the rains come and maybe flood them. The other one was, without rain, it'll never do anything. And So anyway, on and on, everything in life, one was very positive and one was very negative. Well, one day the farmer that's very positive got himself a new hunting dog. This was a great dog. So he invited his neighbor farmer, the negative farmer, out to go hunting. And they go out and they're sitting in the, In the boat, and these ducks fly by. And the the one farmer shoots a duck and he says to his dog, Go get it, boy. The dog leaps out of the boat, runs across the water, gets the uh, bird, and brings it back. And he says, What do you think of my doom dog? And he says, Yeah, I didn't think much of him. He can't swim. (laughs) If you cannot recognize, God in things. Uh, Jacob, uh, the story of Jacob, fought with God. He wrestled with God. And he says later, he says, God was in this place and I didn't recognize it. God was in this place. I didn't recognize it. But an interesting thing, after he recognized it, the rock that he had used as a pillow, what did he do? He anointed it with oil. He put oil on it. So, a lot of things that happen if we're not careful, if we're not walking in the anointing of God, you won't recognize. We heard that word earlier about we're in a time of shifting, and for us to be aware of that, and you won't be aware of those things. <laughs> The anointing upon you is for power in Acts chapter 1. Well, let's start with Luke chapter 24. In verse 49, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. So the Spirit upon you is to empower you, to give you power. Power to what? Power to overcome. Power to be triumphant Power to uh, overcome temptations, uh, addictions, um, things that would would bring harm to your body and soul. Uh, power to overcome being negative about life. Power to overcome the enemy. These men that he was speaking to were about to become the forefront of the beginning of the church. And he said, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, you're going to receive power from on high. Now, what have we done as a church with that? I'm sorry, but I I think we've blown it. You know, the spirit-filled part of the body of Christ, the spirit-filled church, we have taken that and we've said, oh, wow, you know, I want the spirit. And again, we go to these meetings or we have a special guest speaker that can really proclaim a message and say, do you want the double anointing? Do you want this? Do you want, yeah, I want this, I want that. Do you want to speak in tongues? Yes, I want to speak in tongues. Spirit of the Lord is upon me so that I can spend all my time showing the world that I speak in tongues. Can somebody find that for me? In fact, the giving of the gift of tongues falls into a couple of categories. One is for your uh, prayer time. I don't go to cars and pray out loud you know I don't walk down the aisle at cars or show up at work well I do here show up at work and I can pray loud but when, when when I had my business I didn't show up at my business and, and uh, just somebody would come up and say yeah I want you know this or that and I'd say oh mighty God we just pray down heaven right now you know I never did that does anybody here do that If you do, we have some essential oils that will help you. (laughs) Um, And I don't do that with tongues either. Tongues are a prayer life. Or they're a sign for the unbeliever where in the service there is tongues with interpretation of tongues. My experience with that was um, not yet a believer. Went to church with my wife. The church was pretty... Um, high praise and a person got up and spoke in tongues. And I said to my wife, wow, do they speak Hebrew here? And she says, no, I think that's tongues. And I go, tongues? Tongues talk? I've heard of tongues talkers. You know? Um, But the next thing that happened was there was the interpretation of tongues that came along with it. And with that, I went, God is in this place, and I need to get out of here. That was my exact thoughts. God is in this place, and i got to get out of here. But I was sandwiched into the pew, and there was no way out. And so I surrendered myself to Christ right then. I just said, God, I'm I'm in need. I'm a sinner. I, I need you, just the conviction of the Holy Spirit but what we've done with tongues in the church is we've made it a display rather than a a use of the original intention of God and uh there's exhortation from Paul in the bible about that to the church at Corinth and uh Do I believe in speaking in tongues? Absolutely. I believe that you should seek the Holy Spirit. You should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You should speak in tongues. But, um, and it's going to affect you emotionally and physically. I mean, it's just because we don't know how to handle the, the spiritual realm too much. But it is so, its intention is for so much more than what we've allowed it to be. And so what we do is rather than really fulfilling the anointing that comes with that, because we're going to get to that in a second where Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for these reasons. And we don't want to do that as a church. Those are difficult things. So what we'll do as a church is say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me so that I can just enjoy it and and, and just totally just make it all happen right here in this meeting. And it's not for the meeting. It's for you to be empowered to do warfare on the forefront of where the kingdom of heaven meets the kingdom of darkness. the kingdom of heaven does not necessarily meet the kingdom of darkness in the walls of a church building there's an element to it but no it's in my every it's in your everyday life it's in your work place it's in your marriage it's inside your home it's in your in-laws home it's in your outlaws homes it's 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 everywhere you go the kingdom of heaven is, is goes with you and it is to confront the kingdom of darkness in other words it's to influence the kingdom of darkness and bring the anointing which is uh, w- we'll look at that uh, Isaiah 63 is that where it's at? 61 or Luke 4 or Yeah, Luke 4, I think. But we'll do with Isaiah 61. Good news for the oppressed. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Now, this is a prophetic word. Jesus later uses it when he begins his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord, Sovereign Lord, is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me. What's the anointing for? The anointing breaks the heavy burden. The anointing breaks... The chains of bondage. The anointing breaks the, the this opens the cell doors to those that are imprisoned. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Why the poor? Well, poor in spirit? Yes. Poor in the physical? Yes. Every aspect of it. Good news. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. To proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. come, And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. The spirit of the Lord is upon you to preach good news. The Spirit of the Lord has empowered you to take that with you wherever you go. And then to do it the way you do it. We, we so often will look and go, we'll see somebody with a, an, a, a gift, especially a, a real preaching gift or something, and, and uh, uh, they're on display. And we go, wow, that guy's really anointed. Well, that's not the purpose of the anointing alone. Maybe that's the spearmint essential oil. You know, or you that know essential oils would would know how those things work better. But it's not the essential oil that would do this and do that. And so we don't want to necessarily focus on that being the anointing because then you think, well... He's anointed. That's anointed. The way that manifests. That's anointed. And then we discount the anointing of the Lord, the anointing of the Spirit of God on your life, and you think I, I'm not really anointed. I want to tell you, you are anointed. You're anointed to carry out, so that and conduct the power of God. Conduct the power of God, that the kingdom of heaven meets. The kingdom of darkness. And triumphs. I'm going to close with this. Psalm 133. A little different aspect to anointing. Psalm 133 Verse 1 How wonderful and pleasant it is when brethren when brothers live together in harmony in unity How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil Now, listen to this. It's as precious as the anointing oil that poured over Aaron's beard that ran down his beard and onto the border of his his robe. That's a lot of anointing oil. It's a lot of anointing oil. I remember a number of years ago, a brother was ill, and he called me up. He says, could you come over and, and pray for me and anoint me with oil. I, I've been sick and, and I want to be anointed with oil. Oh, okay. I got my little flask oil and put it in my pocket. It actually fits in that little pocket inside the big pocket. That's how powerful it is. Powerful essential oil. And it is the faith that operates behind it. But I get there with my little oil and he says, Okay, let's go in the bathroom. I'm going to stand in the shower. And he hands me these two giant quart bottles of of uh, Kirkland olive oil. And he says, I want you to pour this over my head. And I'm like, okay. All right. And anointed him with oil. I mean, he wasn't taking any chances. He was like... Yeah, I know you got the little power-packed oil, but I want, I want, I want the big anointing. And uh, it's faith that was in operation. Well, in Psalm one thirty-three, unity has an anointing, is vital. Whenever you agree with somebody, one can chase a thousand; two can chase how many? How many? How many? So if, if, if a husband and wife are not in agreement, the children rule the house. But if the husband and wife are in agreement, they could have 10,000 kids and chase them. Unity has an anointing. Harmony is as precious as as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head it goes on down and in the last part of verse 3 it says and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing even life everlasting I want to tell you how important unity is it's vital um Unity does not always mean agreement. Unity means, uh, I want, I want first of all that God be honored and God be glorified in this, in our unity. Secondly, it is for your good. If we are all, the Bible says, if you're looking for the good of your brother, that you'll be blessed. If you're just looking for your own good, then you're you're missing out on this, how good and how pleasant it is that can happen, can be there. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it talks about the body of Christ and all parts of that body and how they work together to the good. Well, when you... When you decide no longer to be in unity, I was reading through the things that God hates recently. And, and I mean, I'm looking at what he hates. He hates this. I'm like, yeah, he hates this. Yeah, he hates this. Yeah, he hates discord among the brethren. You're like, those that sow discord among the brethren. You're like, oh, how'd that fit in there? That seems a little bit over the top in comparison to the rest of these. Or another example. It says concerning uh, adultery, concerning sexual immorality, concerning homosexuality, and, and liars will not enter the kingdom of God. And you're like, yeah, yeah, y- whoa, whoa. Seems a little extreme, God. Liars? And you throw them in with this? Those that sow discord and you throw them into this pile? I'm not saying that's my set. That was God saying that. And the reason I believe discord is so important and so vital, it's so important that you find unity in your heart through the anointing of the Holy Spirit so you don't fall into that. See, it's avoiding the anointing, ruining the anointing with impure oil, you know, fogging it all up with smoke and impurities, Avoiding the anointing, it's easy to become discontent, and it's easy to start finding fault in one another, finding fault in your brothers, finding fault in in your leadership. It's easy to find fault. Uh, Years ago, a guy said to me one time, he said, God has given me the ministry of finding the problems in a church. I said, well, that's not a specialist. We all have that. That's a gift every one of us has. I can, within a day or two of being friends with somebody new that I'm like, all caught up in, oh, man, I can go, oh, wow. Unity is so vital in keeping the anointing, the unity of the Spirit of God. The body of Christ working together. Now, here's how that operates. The body of Christ working together is like this. You all play a part in the body of Christ. And it says when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Does it not say that? When one part is failing, one part is sick, all parts are sick. The rest of the body does everything it can to, To compensate. One day. I was just walking along. Everything was fine. Suddenly I felt a little pain. I'm like. I must have ate a Taco Bell. And the next thing I know. I'm on my hands and knees. In my living room. Dying. I didn't know what was going on. Go to the doctor. He says, oh, you're having appendicitis. I go in. Appendix has, has just started to burst. And they yank it out. And uh, give me some pain pills. And the next day we got on a plane and flew to Washington, D.C. <laughs> he says, you'll be fine. Uh, who Who's the Alaskan guy, Mark, that played uh, for the Broncos? And uh, Mark, anybody remember? Sir. S- y- Sir. Slareth. He says, I pulled his appendix out and three days later he played in the Super Bowl. So you'll be fine. Well, I believed him. And he probably did. But I don't know how. Because when I got to D.C. and it was a great flight. The, those essential oils they gave me to take <laughs> did the job. <laughs> but the next day in D.C. I was like, I don't feel so good. But the point is... When the body's sick, the whole body comes together, or is that's the way God designed it. Now, cancer is similar to that. Cancer, though, is insidious. Cancer is secretive. Cancer is hidden. And cancer is like discord. and And the body trying to take it and cover for it. But the original intent is this: I'm going to pick on you, Barry. Is that okay? You, you good with that? So I see Barry, and I love Barry. I really love this man. He's been a good friend for many years and a good brother, and he 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 sees these things of God that come in from way out of space. You know, they're out there in a realm that my gift doesn't operate, and they come in, and I'm like, "Wow, yeah." I like that. But he's got his shortcomings. Do you have any shortcomings that we're not aware of? Yeah, he does. I'm aware of some of them. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, if I recognize a deficiency in the body, I'm supposed to be who I am, and that kind of makes up for it, rather than saying... This guy has issues. As a pastor, it's really easy for you to find deficiencies in me. It really is. Just ask my wife. She'll tell them to you. She doesn't hold them against me. She walks beside me in my deficiencies. And she says, I'm going to be all I can be Because that will make up the difference. That's why God hates discord, it breaks the anointing that God wants to have on a body of believers. They're in the book of Acts. They're waiting. The Holy Spirit comes. They receive power from on high. And what's the first thing they did? They all came together in unity. They had all things common. And everything's going good until Ananias and Sapphira walk in saying, well, we did this. And he says, why have you chosen to lie against the Holy Spirit? And they drop dead. I thought that was a little extreme, God. I read that. and I do. I'm like, whoa. That's a little extreme. What happened there? Was it just that they lied? No. They brought something very foreign into this unity, into this body, and God says, we're not going to have it. I'm like, wow. God's serious when it comes to some things. But these things happen. Doesn't mean that life is over. It's just is saying, God is saying, I would like the body of Christ to come into fullness, and I will bring it into fullness. And when I do, there will not be these things. When I do, this person will become all that they can be, and that will cover your deficiencies. You see, we see one of the ways the devil wants to work in a church. We're, we're at a new beginning here, folks. It's pretty exciting on one hand. It really is. But sometimes I look at it and I go, oh, there's a lot of work ahead. But God wants to bring in a unity because then he can move. It's not about how much work we do. It's about a, how much we agree to, to the purposes of God, and He can move around. Years ago, our church was small, it was new. Um, and uh, I, I was just working. I had my business. I had the bet that I had my marriage and now we have this new church and I was just running myself ragged and I was doing such a great job of running myself ragged. I remember one of my good close friends came up to me and said, you remind me of something. And I said, oh, wow, what I thought he's going to say, you know, Jesus or something. He says, you remind me of a chicken with its head cut off. I went, thanks, I think. Um I went to prayer. God spoke to me, He said, "Let it all just be there. It's not going to stop, but I want you to love your wife. I want you to not look at her as being deficient. I want you to look at her as not having shortcomings. I just want you to love your wife. The rest I'll take care of. And I went, oh, seriously. Oh, that'll be easy. No, it wasn't. It was hard. It was really difficult. But that's what I did. And, and, and the church just blew up. You know, at the time, we were looking at two services. We were doing this. We were doing that. It was kind of exciting times. We we ran into some real major difficulties uh, when our son and And the Richardson sons were killed in the car wreck, and it set us back. But um, once again, even in the midst of that, it was like if I just focus on loving, God will take care of the rest. And in loving, you also focus on unity. Unity does not always mean I'm in agreement. Unity means I'm just not going to separate myself from you and sow lies or discord or or negativity about you. It's just not going to happen. But we all fall play to that because we're not perfect yet. But I want to give us that exhortation because as a new uh, beginning, we can get this in our spirits now. And we can... Use that to carry, carry us into the future. Amen.